Hello and welcome. My name is Jasmine Butler and I'm an interactive consultant. I've worked with major brands in order to help them with their web, mobile, and social app experiences. And this is Living Digital, where we talk about apps, marketing, technology, and innovation. Today's episode serves as a kind of continuation of the digital branding episode. A few takeaways were you need to have a goal, you need to have a method, and you need to have a strategy. And if you follow the Living Digital Instagram account, I shared a couple examples of some people that get digital branding right. And one of them is today's guest, author, voiceover actor, and walking pep talk, Kareem Taylor. Glad to have you on. Walking pet talk. <laughs> That's how I see you. You know what I mean? But how would you describe yourself? Like, what would your brief profile bio be? In short, I am a voice actor who happens to be an optimist and who happens to be a writer. So voice actors first. Yes. So what made you choose that area? I think when I actually found that that voice acting was a real job, that is when I started to pursue it. Um, I remember one time I made it like this demo and I sent it off to insurance companies and I just was like, hey, I want to be like your on hold message guy. You know, when you call a place and they're like, thank you for calling AT&T. I sent it to like 500 insurance companies in Georgia and everybody was like, no. And so that was kind of a signal that I was going about it the wrong way. And I actually had an internship at the time uh, where I met a producer from CNN. And basically I was going up there. She basically dropped the game, told me about the agencies and the talent that they hire. And she made introductions for me. And probably a year after that, I landed my first gig on CNN. And that was five years ago. And so I've just been running since then. Wow. Was there anything that you wanted to do before that? I went to Clark Atlanta and I really went there because they told me that Spike Lee took all his film classes there and I wanted to be the next Spike Lee. That's what actually got me to leave Brooklyn, New York and drive down to Atlanta to attend college. Oh, you drove. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I took an Amtrak actually. I took an Amtrak from Brooklyn to South Carolina where I stayed for the summer before I went and worked at this tire factory where I was like stacking tires on 53 foot trucks in wow. South Carolina. Yeah, it's like, yo, I actually it put is. that in I actually put that in the book cuz I was like people sometimes we don't know like what the realities are for certain people in certain cities around the country. Uh you know, not just overseas in terms of like jobs like that where I got paid 10 cents a tire. But yeah, I did that the summer before college and it was the greatest motivator ever because I was like I don't want to be stuck doing something that doesn't allow me to love it. It wasn't fulfilling. Oh, not at all. So, yeah, when you have kids, they are never going to hear the end of that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So your website is great. How did you decide what to include? Um, I think the biggest strategy in terms of setting up anything that I'm doing on the web is the idea that voice acting comes first. First of all, so I wrote this book called Get Your Life. I'm just going to start there. that The book is really about how to use your strengths instead of focusing on your weaknesses. And so I use that strategy when I'm putting myself out there in terms of even even KareemTaylor.com, where the first thing that you should know is that I'm a voice actor. And that is the greatest strength that I have. That is a thing that not only that I think that I'm good at, but the market thinks that I'm good at. CNN thinks I'm good at it. UFC, Sony Pictures, AT&T, they all agree that I'm a voice actor. And so through that knowledge um, and having that insight, that's the thing that I push forward. So writing a book, I do it from the perspective of a creative, of a voice actor who has been living in Atlanta, New York, now LA, um, and kind of like what I'm going through and how I sort of view certain things based on my experience. The next thing I'm working on is an audio book. And so it's really, the strategy is to continue becoming the total enterprise. I see, I gotcha. 
my challenge uh, when it comes to working on my own website, jasminebutler.com, <laughs> is that my interests and my experiences are, they're varied. So it's challenging to develop one cohesive brand. Do you have any advice for people who might not be known for one particular thing? Like you have your voice acting, but me, I'm doing the digital thing, the film thing, the photography thing. I think one indicator is, is to understand what have you been hired for? What will people pay you to do? I, the reason I think that's important, I think we don't place enough value on that. For example, just because we're good at something doesn't mean that people are willing to pay us for it. Um, but also we have to be, we have to understand that if somebody's willing to pay us for something, that means we're, we've got to be offering something of value. I think people might underestimate that fact. If somebody's willing to pay you for that, then that's a strength of yours that you can continue to grow and mature. So for instance, if you're interested in photography, if you're interested in writing, um, but you're also a public speaker and you don't know which one of those that you're the greatest at. Like what I do is I put all those things on the whiteboard and I'll sort of list, I'll make like buckets and I'll be like, okay, well, here's what I've done in photography this year. Here's what I've done in writing this year. Here's what I've done with speaking this year. And if you look, there's gonna one of those categories are gonna have more things that you did, that you got paid to do, or that you involved yourself in, or that you spent time on. Then you can start understanding what your competitive advantage is. It's difficult to, to do it without knowing that. Okay, so you're like stepping outside of yourself and taking stock of what you're actually known for, like based yep. on tangibles. Yeah, you know, I was reading about the Coca-Cola story. I've never really thought about Coca-Cola other than like, it's a great drink and it's one of the biggest brands. But it started off as like this small company at a pharmacy, like a doctor came, found this liquid that could actually heal people. And so it was actually marketed in the beginning to be some sort of medicine. Um, and it took a lot of trial and error to actually get it to be something that was just a soda. Um, and I think sometimes we don't know what we're, we're the greatest at until we actually put it out. They didn't know that Coca-Cola, the soda, uh, was an actual soda that could be sold and bottled and all those kinds of things until they actually put it out and tested it. And I think that's the same thing that we have to do with our with our talents is that we don't really know until you take it from shop to shop. You, you continue failing, putting yourself out there. Um, and then you'll notice that there's something that people are gravitating to and willing to hire you for or buy from you. Right. Yeah. Trial and error. Um, and speaking of trial and error, peripherally, I've been looking at your methods for getting yourself out there. And that includes your awesome newsletter, your email letter and your book and, you know, your website. <laughs> how overall do your goals inform how you behave online? And, you know, how did you come up with these tactics? Not just how you conduct yourself. Mm -hmm. When I say behavior, I mean your decision to write a book. Gotcha. Uh, well, one of my goals is to be a total enterprise. I remember when I was watching Oprah, like I never really, I, I used to kind of grow up watching Oprah, but I never really paid attention until like the show was about to go off. And like close to the later years, I saw that she was the voiceover on her own commercials. So like, like I had never seen that before. Like usually there's like, they hire voice actors. So like, you know, tell you that the show is coming on Thursday, but she was everything. She was the, she was not only the talk show host, she was the, the producer, the creator. She owned a production company. She did her own promos. She sang the theme song one season. I remember that. I mean, you know, she was just a total enterprise. And I think that the days of having a talk show that huge are over in terms of um, on actual television. But I think that 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 means that there is another opportunity um, for creatives around the country to really start creating their own brand in the same kind of way. But on the digital side, the 
thing about it is it doesn't take the same amount of permission as it used to. And so how I view my sort of the larger vision is that I'm the total enterprise. So if I am a writer, then my writing should be on every single platform um, in some way, even if even if I have to change the title on certain platforms. Like, for instance, some of my newsletters have an interesting title. But when you put it on LinkedIn, um, there's more of like a traditional headline for the writing. And so it's really trying to figure out, you know, what works best on every platform. So when it comes to Get Your Life, there needs to be an audiobook that informs everything that I'm doing, especially now. And I think that's kind of new for me. I've never really thought about it in that way, but now it's sort of the overarching like strategy. So where do you where do you get the most response to the content you put out there? Like how do I know people are engaged? Yeah, where do you get the most engagement? Through the newsletter, either through people emailing me back, like, yo, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I wrote one yesterday called The Fatigue, and um, I was basically just talking about like how I pulled up to the Starbucks and the security guard wanted me to not park there because I was parked in the wrong area. And she wanted me to leave. And so I listened to her and I went around the corner and I parked and I sat outside of Starbucks and I watched as she kept telling car after car to not park there. And after a while, she just said, forget it. And I thought about how that is similar to sort of our journeys in a way that sometimes we're, we become fatigued. We do the same thing over and over and over again. And then after a while it gets old. Um, but then as I watched her more, I saw that she was using different tactics. So sometimes she would literally yell at you, like don't park here. Or she would literally just point to the sign. I was like, yo, you know, that's similar to how we should react in uh, certain situations it's because not everything is always going to work. Originally, nobody was reading my newsletter because I was just sort of just putting things out there. Like if I landed a commercial, like a couple of people would read it, but nobody would say anything. Uh, but once I started actually telling stories through the newsletter, people really got engaged. And I think now more than ever, like people really started actually responding back. And I think it's known that you don't really get that much engagement through newsletters, like period, no matter who you are, you usually get about 20% engagement um, from however many people you have on your list. And I'm at like 15, 16% of engagement. Yeah, I was going to say that's a lot. <laughs> and people respond back. And so, you know, some newsletters get more responses than others, but I see sort of what works and also the kinds of things that are really true to me. But the newsletter is like the highest engagement, just I think because it goes straight to your email and it's it's nice. worth it's worth your time yeah. as well. Yeah, it's it's very relatable, just like that whole fatigue thing. I think yeah. I'm not, I don't want to say that it's specifically for people in our age group, but as someone in my late 20s, I'm feeling that cornerstone where it's the pressure of getting older and, and trying to establish yourself. Right. And the world is changing. So you're like, you're trying to stay a few steps ahead because it's so, it's so crowded out here, you know, right. digitally. Everyone is creating a brand. Everyone's selling tea or has a YouTube channel or starting a podcast. And it's kind of hard not to feel like you get lost in the crowd. And Right. Well, one of the things that I talk about in my book is to be yourself. And I never really knew what that meant. But if we see Steve Jobs, for example, and you want to be a speaker or you're co-founder of a startup. So you like, okay, I want to present my products in the same way that Steve Jobs does. And I think it's fine to imitate in the beginning because that's how we learn the things that work and the things that have worked in the past. Right. But I think what we need to do is really find what it is that we are actually good at. And the thing that makes us the most unique, like this guy, Derek Sivers, who was the founder of CD Baby, he has a fantastic blog where he talks about 
Sometimes what you think is ordinary is extraordinary to others. So what you may think is your weakness is actually something that people highly value and that they would actually pay for. Right. Yeah, and that so, goes back to paying attention, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think where a lot of us get stuck is that we are afraid to fully be ourselves. We're afraid to truly tell people what we believe. We're afraid to truly just be nerds or to truly just be weird. You know, and I think when you begin to embrace that, then people actually respect it. And, you know, it's highly frowned upon until you do it and it works. Um, and when you do it and it works, then they call you a genius. Until then, nobody's paying attention to you. But you got to do it and put yourself out there. Like, I remember the day that I decided I was going to change my approach on the newsletter. And I basically shared a story with people and then I told them what I believed. And it transformed the engagement. And I think it was because... I was actually being myself for the first time, being vulnerable and being confident in who I am. And I think if people can grab that and really just wholeheartedly say, this is me, take me as I am, like it, hate it, whatever, this is me. And I think that will transform the work and the way that you're seen. So yep. be vulnerable, which in this digital age, I got to be honest. It's not like the old days. There's so many opportunities for, you know, online bullying. And yep. so I can understand why people might hesitate to do that. Yeah. You, well, here's a, here's another thing, too. So I have a friend who's like totally not me. He's like, yo, Kareem, I would never put myself out there. Like I would never tell people, you know, what's on my mind. Um, you know, I might get fired from my job or something like that. The thing about it is I'm not really trying to convince those people. Like, and what I mean by that is I'm not trying to reach everybody. And I don't think that I am going to reach everybody. One of the things that I always talk about is that you have to own the thing that you do. You know, if you're if you're a writer, then you should own the publishing company as well. Kind of entrepreneurial style. And I just don't think that that's for everybody. And so I don't really spend a lot of my time trying to convince people to do something that they don't already want to do. But I think, you know, trying to say that everybody needs to be an entrepreneur, that's not the case because you need teachers, you need construction workers, you need people that make stuff. And so I respect that. And I don't try to sort of go into boundaries that I don't fit in. And so I just try to put my efforts towards people that are already get the joke. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, like, um, you know, focus on yeah. the quality of the content and engage with, you know, I've heard this over and over again on podcasts about podcasting or blogging or just marketing in general, you know, build a genuine relationship with your audience and right. and it'll it'll be worth a lot more. Like not right. even just monetarily, but just for your brand in general, it's worth more. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is um, I went to a holiday party and it was an industry holiday party for creative agencies in LA. And I ran into a lot of people who were saying, yo, I love your newsletter. Like there were people who I went to see Clark Atlanta with. There were like friends and family and people that I always hear from and stuff like that. But when I went to this party, these are executives of creative agencies that follow me on LinkedIn. This one guy came up to me and was like, yo, Kareem Taylor? I'm like, yeah. And I actually knew, I actually recognized his face, but he's one of the heads of one of the creative agencies wow. in New York. And he was like, yo, your writing is so inspirational, man. Like, I want to like, I want to know more about what you're doing and all this stuff. I ran into a lot of people who see what I'm up to and who are just as nosy as the average person. 
what it tells me is the brand that you're creating actually has some value. But I think a lot of us are not willing to stick with it, mainly because of financial and mental fatigue, because it just takes a while to actually get noticed and it takes a while to actually resonate and it takes a while to actually bring some profit in. Not revenue, but to actually profit from these things. And so what yeah. it, what is what it's showing me, though, is that there's this long term strategy of being seen as a sort of a thought leader and a thought leader from what from my own experience, not from trying to be Malcolm Gladwell or trying to be like a Seth Godin or Simon Sinek, like start with why person, but as a thought leader from my experience, because my experience is just as valid as someone whose insight is respected. And I think what the challenge becomes is figuring out what is the true value that you're providing people. And I think even then you still have to continue to experiment to see what is it that I'm doing that's working. And if you don't put yourself in the room, like I put myself at the holiday party, you don't know. Like one guy was just like, yo, I've never met you before, but I want to sit down, you know, New Year. Like it's an indication to me that what I'm doing is resonating Mm -hmm. and it has some value to it. Wow. So you saw all these decisions that you've made, you know, in your digital life, you know, with the newsletter and having that pop up on your website and the way you've structured it. You've made these all yourself. Are you working with a strategist or you're just really good at making decisions? (laughs) You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I think I'm really good at being nosy. I think I'm really good at figuring troubleshooting. Um, And I make people think that I know a lot, which really I don't start off knowing a lot. I literally just go on Google and try to figure things out. Like, for instance, like I'll look at Tim Ferriss or I'll look at Derek Sivers or Seth Godin or Malcolm Gladwell or Gary Vaynerchuk from social media. And I'll just I'll follow and see what they're up to and see the kinds of productivity tools that they use. Or I'll go to Lifehack, Um, even, for instance, with my book, you know, now I'm using Shopify to host the website where my book is sold. Mm -hmm. I'm using Square to actually make debit transactions in person. You know, I'm using Evernote to keep track of notes and ideas. And so using Evernote right now, I love it because I heard it initially on This Week in Startups with Jason Calacanis. So like generally, if they use it in their life, they're doing something right. And I integrate it into my own. Right. You know, what's interesting is when I was reading about Coca-Cola, one of the secrets to their success is that they figured out a process. Like I thought that Coca-Cola actually bottled their soda at their plant in Atlanta. And that's just not the case. So Coca-Cola, they just create the syrup. It basically just franchised it out to bottlers around the world. Now, that might have been common knowledge. I just didn't know that. So if you can figure out the processes that will help your business run smoother, and I think even though that's a huge corporation, we can start looking at our own things. Like you're using Evernote, talking about Shopify, Square, Mad Mimi, where I send out my newsletter. When we start looking at these things, like how can we simplify the process? And we start realizing that that's what a McDonald's would do by franchising or that's what Henry Ford did when you know he revolutionized oh, that the assembly idea. line yeah the assembly line so it's like it's these processes that that truly create the difference I went to a Starbucks and when it would be super busy the barista would look at me and like yo KT yo you want to do a grande iced coffee no cream no sugar and I'm like yes and he'll whip it up And the reason I think Starbucks is able to do those kinds of things, um, like be personable, um, make your drink and have it right. Or if it's not right, they'll make it right. Um, The reason they're able to do that is because they solidified their processes. The thing that I'm most interested in now is how can we start developing processes in our lives that really sort of make things a little bit more efficient, easier um, and profitable. (laughs) So, yeah, let me not forget that. Definitely can't forget that. This is America. Yeah. 
Yeah, we are kind of all figuring out the process. And some people are more hard-headed than others and will try the same process over and over again, expecting a different result. But yeah, I think it's good to see people like you. I'm really inspired by the things that you're doing and things some of my other friends are doing. And it keeps me going and, and motivated. So I take a little bit from your process and a little bit from this person's. And in other words, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you, JB. No problem. I'm glad you finally made it on the podcast. I am happy to be to be talking to you and your audience. This is exciting. And I don't I rarely get a chance to just geek out and talk about Shopify and Square and Man Mimi and stuff like that and like, you know, this philosophies. Because I really think that that's truly the key, being as nosy as possible and figuring out like what are these people using? Like not <laughs> like not nosy. how to be like them, but it's like what are they using? Like what are the tools? Yeah. Like you, you like you look at these authors and then you find out that they have a ghostwriter. When you start finding out these little secrets, these little hacks, it transforms your life because you you start realizing that you don't need to spend the, the money that you spent. You don't need to put the amount of mental fatigue, all of those kinds of things. You can just focus on the thing that you do best and just automate and figure out the processes to make your life easier. And I think it's up to, you know, living digital and Jasmine, we're like hoping that you can continue to provide a platform to allow people to share like how they're doing it. Uh, that's absolutely what I want to do, just for selfish reasons myself, because I'm curious. <laughs> but yeah, so right. if it helps the audience, that's a plus. Well, thank you, Kareem, for being on. You got to come back and let us know when you write your new book or release an audio version of it. Oh, I will. People can actually go to getyourlifebook.com to get an autographed copy, um, or you can go on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. Getyourlifebook.com. Oh, it's, it's get your life, not like get, get your life. Not get your life. I wasn't sure. <laughs> well, you never know though, because actually that was actually an option. You can join the newsletter at KareemTaylor.com. The infamous newsletter. For more episodes, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Join the conversation by tweeting us at LivingDigital underscore or heading to Facebook.com slash Living Digital Podcast. Living Digital is produced by Sebastian Merrick Productions. Theme music by Derek Carter.